game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Malone tried to squeeze his way down the right-hand side, only to be cut off, and Winberg flashes one ahead for Giordano, then gets it back, takes it over the line. Yarn Croak, give it go, gets it back. Fires and a save made by Skinner. Right off the breastplate. Well, a disappointing final result for Stuart Skinner, but he played really well tonight. He makes 36 saves for the Edmonton Oilers, who suffer a 2-1 preseason loss in overtime to the Seattle Kraken in Everett, Washington. Skinner, oh so close to a clean sheet tonight. He was finally beaten with 57.8 seconds left in the third period with the Kraken goaltender on the bench for an extra attacker and then two seconds away from killing off a power play in overtime. Jared McCann scores one-timing a shot from Jordan Eberle, and Seattle takes it 2-1. Brendan Perlini scores again for the Edmonton Oilers. He has four goals in the three, three, uh, three preseason games that he's played. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 11-12 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, we'll start in net. I mean, Stuart Skinner is going to be in the American Hockey League with the Bakersfield Con. He did get his first NHL win in his one start last year against the Ottawa Senators. And so far this preseason, made eight saves in Calgary, half the game. Uh, made seven saves on nine shots in Winnipeg the other night, a game in which the Oilers were you know, pretty substantially outplayed. And tonight I thought he looked very good. I, I mean, he looked very solid. We often say... A goaltender, you know, with with quiet movement and making difficult saves look maybe a little easier than they are because of his positioning. You know, too bad he didn't get the win tonight, but I thought he was good. He was good, and he looked confident. He looked calm and net. Uh, each uh, each year he comes back to camp, he's just a little more prepared, a little more understanding of what he needs to do to play at this level. It was a good game for him. It's unfortunate the way it ended. Uh, but I think what he's doing is giving confidence to himself. He's certainly given confidence to his teammates, and most of all, he's given confidence to the, the management here in Edmonton that if needed, they've got a guy in the minors can come up and, and give him a, a start or two. So uh, in a perfect world for the Edmonton Oilers, he'll play the whole season, get a little more groomed for an eventual arrival here with Edmonton, and Smith and Cost going to be the two goalies all year long, but... Yeah, we know that things don't always go as planned and injuries could come into play. And the way that Skinner has played thus far in the preseason, I think the Oilers brass is, all right, we don't have to go elsewhere to look for a, a safety net for Koskinen and Smith. I think we have it down on the farm. All right, Brendan Perlini, yet another goal, four in three games. This one on a deflection early in the second period. Devin Shore wins the draw back to Slater Cuckoo, who takes a shot, and Perlini kind of cruising across about the hash marks. Gets a stick on it, in it goes. Lights the lamp yet again. Well, that, that's a, a fourth line type of goal where you win a face off, you crash the net. Um, he's, he's probably not wanting to wake up from this dream training camp preseason that he's having. Uh, he, he was a long shot coming in, he was more of a, a safety valve for the, the coaching staff that if someone else faltered, 
you know, we got this guy. We're going to give him a chance, see if he can resurrect his career here in Edmonton. And, and he has thus far. Now, again, these are only preseason games. He's not playing against real NHL lineups as of yet. But neither are his teammates. And no other teammate on this team has got four goals. So uh, if, if you're handicapping who's going to be your fourth-line left winger, Come opening night, I think right now Perlini has put him in the put himself in the front runner spot, and all the other players are going to have to do something a little bit stronger. The players that are chasing for that spot as well, because Perlini's been the best one. So I just want to check back his goals here. So tonight he scores with the assists from Cuckoo and Shore. Yep, he scores the previous game against the Kraken from Nurse and Turris, uh, and the other one was from Shore. And then back in Calgary, I don't have that one. It was a breakaway. Uh, well, it, was a break, it was unassisted because he stole yeah. it at the blue line. So does it mean anything to you that Devin Shore assists on two? I mean, it's not as if it's like, okay, Perlini, you're going to get you're going to play with McDavid and Hyman today. And in that game, he gets three points. And it's like, okay, great, but that's probably not who he's going to... Like, does that mean anything to you that he's out there with Devin Shore and some of these other guys and is getting points? It it, it does. It means a lot. It shows what the coaching staff has him in their their sights, where they think he can play. I mean, if they were to put him with Connor McDavid and he has a hat trick, well... He's not ever going to play with Connor McDavid during the season, so it doesn't matter what he does with Connor. But what he does matter if, if you're playing with a Devin Shore, if you're playing with a Kyle Turris, you know, a Ryan McLeod, those are guys that are going to be in your bottom six. And that's where Perlini is trying to fight for a job for, and he's producing with those guys. So that's what makes the coaching staff happy. It's not that you know he's being the benefic- benefactor of playing with a Leon Dreisaitl. He's no. He's getting. He's had two power play goals on a power play that he'll never see in ten lifetimes right. here in Edmonton. So he's doing it where the coaching staff is going to have him slotted in. And if you've watched throughout, all the players where they're battling have been put in the positions that they're battling for. So they're not moving. They're not putting Benson up with the top lines. They're putting him in with a guy that could be third or fourth line. And they're saying, all right, here's where you're going to play. Show me what you're capable of doing. And Perlini has been the best of all the players at doing that. 2-1, the Oilers fall in overtime today to the Seattle Kraken. Once again, they did the practice shootout. So this is not happening in after every NHL preseason game, but if the two teams decide to do it, they do a little practice shootout, and they do three rounds no matter what, because if this were a regular season game, well, first of all, if this was a regular season game, they wouldn't have <laughs> done the shootout, but the Oilers actually scored on their first two attempts, and Seattle didn't, so it would have ended there, but they gave both teams three shots. Uh, Skinner stopped all three that he faced, including Jordan Eberle. Uh, Benson scored mm-hmm. on a nice move, and then Perlini basically came out and said, hold on, because that was a nice move by Benson, but we're talking more about Perlini's goal, I think. Well, and what I like about that is those are two guys that, uh, that's they're the two most talked about players, which is funny. On a, on a team with McDavid and Drysdale and Nurse and all these superstars, the most talked about on our shows, on Bob's shows, and uh, amongst Oilers fans is the two guys battling for the spot. Because all the other spots seem to be taken. But we got two guys battling for uh, a fourth-line left winger, Perlini and Benson. And Dave Tippett puts them both in a shootout. And what you're seeing on a couple things, A, this is no ordinary third or fourth-line player for that the Oilers have this year. We've seen in the past, their third and fourth lines, they were guys that uh, most teams would be minor league players. Uh-huh. But here, these are guys, not only are they going to play on the fourth line in Edmonton, but they're guys that have scored at different levels. Benson has been an offensive player everywhere he's been. 
Perlini was drafted in the first round because of his offensive ability, and he has had three double-digit seasons in the National Hockey League as a goal scorer, which is nice as a coaching staff saying, I got a fourth line that if I put out there, they might have more offensive pedigree than the line they're going to play against, so maybe they can create right. something the Oilers have missed in the past. But Benson scored a pretty goal. It's the first time you got to see what, Pen- what Benson's capable of doing offensively. He hasn't had a lot of free space in the games. But that was a really pretty goal. And Perlini, understanding that the guy he's being challenged by for a spot, he comes in and as good as Benson's goal was, no one's going to be talking about that tomorrow. Because the goal that Perlini scored was absolutely beautiful. It was the Forsberg. It was the, the Forsberg that actually he st- almost stopped as he was putting the puck in the... Forsberg was still moving. Perlini actually stopped, and it was just, all right, just got to get a little bit further past the goalie's pad and put it in the net. An absolutely beautiful goal, fun to watch. And and Benson swung very wide, basically to the left-wing boards, then cut down the middle and presented the puck like it was going to be a forehand shot and brought it across to the and elevated it. Yeah, very quick hands and got it upstairs, and that's the hardest thing. Most players... The problem is they go around a goalie, they think they got around him, and they're just going to stuff it. Uh, the goal scorers, the, the true offensive guys, know they have to get the puck up, and Benson did. 2-1, the Kraken win this one in overtime. So Rob and I did not see the first period. Uh, <laughs> there was a fight. We can't tell you what it was like. Uh, Brad Malone fought Carson Torinsky. I heard uh, that it was a knockout. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, hopefully, we, 15 punches to zero for yeah, our guy. I'm sure Kellen will play Jack's call later on because Jack is always good calling the fight. So basically, what happened was uh, the Oilers were. I, I mean, I don't know exactly what happened technically. They weren't able to stream, stream it, unfortunately, through Oilers TV. Uh, so I'm looking on Twitter, and we were trying for some alternative solutions here at, at the 6:30 Chet Hockey Studio. Uh, and then, of course, I see the tweets. So if you had, if you have Telus TV, I guess you could get it because King Five in Seattle was showing it. Uh, I don't think it was on the. No, it wasn't on the NHL nope. Center Ice preview. Uh, the I guess only some games are available for that. Um, but we have Shaw Cable here, so we you couldn't get it. So if some people had Shaw, uh, they were unable to get it. Basically, what I understand. So some people on Telus were watching it. So what we finally did was uh, a colleague of mine in British Columbia gets the Seattle s- stations. So she put her laptop in front of her TV and aligned the camera with her television, and we did it connected using a video chat service. Uh, <laughs> except I see we're chatting. She just set up the laptop so we could watch the game on our laptop through that feed. So the wonders of technology. And, and honestly, once once we started watching, I forgot that's how it just was like it was we were very watching good. A, a stream game. Fortunately, we have a very, very intelligent colleague. Yes, and we saw all the goals, so <laughs> that's important. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we didn't see the first period. If, and so that's the thing. You, if we miss something really significant, you can call and tell us. 780-496-0063 is how you get a hold of us here. As the Oilers are now 2-1-1 one, and one, halfway through their preseason schedule. Though they're back at it tomorrow, 5 o'clock at Rogers Place against the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, it was a power play in overtime for... Seattle Yamamoto went off for hooking, and we, and we got to see the expression on his face when he saw the replay on the screen there. Uh, yeah, it was like, wow. <laughs> like He was shocked when he saw it, as we were. That it, To me, it wasn't a, that one wasn't a penalty. 
to me, he, he lifted the stick. I didn't think it got up to his hands. Mm -hmm. And when you put your body, your stick parallel and it goes into the hands of the opposition player, that's a penalty. I didn't think it was that. He lifted the stick that did stopped did, did stop the Kraken player from getting a shot on net, and that's what the ref saw. Uh, and unfortunately, that was the end of the game for the Edmonton Oilers as the power play goal was what won the game for the Kraken. But, yeah, I, I don't think that was a penalty, but better they make that mistake call in preseason than in the regular season. Yeah, we're not we're, we're worried too much about it. And he was coming off the bench to back check, and... I, it seemed like he wasn't at first sure which guy he was going to go to, and then he he went around a bit of a pick and was behind the player he was checking, so reached reached and and lifted the stick, but uh, they decided it was a hook. So uh, the Oilers almost killed it off. Uh, they they hung in there, but with two seconds left in the power play, uh, McCann got the goal on a really nice pass by Eberle. Yeah, it was a nice play between Giordano, Eberle, and then McCann with a wonderful shot, uh, one timer. You get a chance for the one-timer with the goalie sliding from one side to the other. All you have to do is hit the net. There are holes. McCann did. And it's just an unfortunate end for Skinner, who was excellent and was, what, 50 seconds away from a shutout. And at the end of the day, it's a 2-1 loss. But a lot of good things happened for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. The score was just not one of them. Okay, 780-496-0063. Darcy up late on a Friday night calling a post-game hockey show. We appreciate your dedication, Darcy. What's on your mind, man? Hey, man. Um, so I have four questions to ask. Oh, wow. You're bringing it. Okay, we'll try yeah. to keep up. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, so they're more they're more directed towards Rob, but Rob, uh, I want your opinion. Do you think Doug Waits playing in today's NHL would be as successful as he was back in the mid-'90s? Uh, yes, I think he probably would be more successful nowadays because he would have a little more freedom to do the things that he was good at simply because there's no more hooking or holding or, or things like that. He's Doug Waite was smart, and smart players can play in any era. Yeah, like, man, I grew up in the 90s. Waite's one of my favorite players of all time. So watching the game tonight, and, and I get it, man, it's exhibition. <laughs> it's, it's not NHL lineups. But Tyler Benson has this almost Doug Wake type game. Now it's not like Doug Wake, like it's like a light Doug Wake. But watching him tonight, I felt like he has that type of game. Do you see the same thing, or what do you see with Tyler Benson? Um, Tyler Benson sees the game well. He he really does. Uh, Tyler's the the things that go against Tyler Benson. Uh, his foot speed isn't as fast as some others, and his size. So right now he's he's going battling against a Perlini for the fourth line spot. Perlini's a big man. Benson isn't. Uh, so honestly, I. But, right, but Doug Wade wasn't big. No, but yeah, Doug but Wade there's no comparison big, between Doug Wade and Benson talent-wise. No, but but. Uh, like there's no like Doug Wade is a perennial All-Star in the National Hockey League, and Tyler Benson might never play in the NHL. But what I'm saying is. He's got that grittiness. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Vision. He's got that vision. Like, Doug Waite never – like, Doug Waite was never a goal scorer. Doug Waite was an assist guy. Oh. He was a guy that made plays. Oh, absolutely. I feel like Tyler Benson, given the opportunity, mm. I feel like he, he would have that type of vision no, as well. He, he has that vision, but he's – again, he's got nothing compared to Doug Waite. Like, there's, there's no comparison. Okay. None. And, and right now, Darcy, I, I know you don't want to talk to me, but right now – 
the the spots the role that Doug Waite played on the '90s Oilers is not available on the 2021-22 Oilers. Well, it, other guys uh, are on the. Ha, no, have, no, but no, having said that, that, if I'm there was if, if Tyler Benson, okay, put it this way, if Tyler Benson was as good as Doug Waite and could do what Doug Waite could, there are spots on the Edmonton Oilers' top six. Oh, yeah, then he'd yeah. be, a, yes, he would then, be sure, in the top six. Be the second I'm, line so, line but, I'm not saying he would be a, a top six. I'm just saying he's a light version of Doug Waite. I feel like his game, in a lot of ways, would would be a, a lighter version of Doug Waite. It would, but it, unfortunately for the Oilers, I, I don't think he, nope. I, honestly, I don't think he makes the team. Okay, okay. cool. That, question, that, that's question, awesome. I, I, question I, three, go ahead. Okay, question three. So, Stuart Skinner, um, do you think he's an NHL caliber goalie or within the next season or two? Um, I think he still has to improve, but I think he's certainly trending in the right direction. And I do okay. believe that the Oilers are hoping that he is. I really do. I think that is it, this is Koskinen's last year, is it not? Yes. Yeah. So I think in a perfect world, a, a Skinner comes up and as a backup next year, at the National Hockey League level and continues to push forward. But he, he's certainly trending in the right direction. They want him to play a lot of games in the minors, big games in the minors, and continue to improve. But uh, I would think that he is on the radar of the Edmonton Oilers to be a goaltender in the National Hockey League for them. Do you think he tracks the puck well enough to be an NHL goalie? Honestly, like, I thought his tracking tonight was phenomenal. It, when it comes to stuff like that, uh, goalie coaches are better than to ask than me. Uh, but I just, from watching him play and seeing how the Oilers tr- uh, are using him, I believe he's a guy that they want to play in the National Hockey League. As for his strengths and weaknesses, uh, there's guys that get paid <laughs> to work with goalies and judge goalies. They'd be much better at answering that question than I would. Okay, fair enough. Thanks, boys. Okay, see you, Darcy. Thanks for calling. Oh, Darcy, Darcy was right on top of it. I agree. And I, you know what? And I, I, I'm pulling for Tyler Benson. I, I've watched him play since he was a Bantam hockey player, and I hope that things work out for him here. But right now, there's very few spots on the team available. Yeah. And the one spot that he is fighting for, Perlini right now has four goals in the preseason. Yeah. He's bigger. He's faster. He's got a leg up on Tyler Benson. But again, having said that, at this time of year, we focus so much on the opening day roster, but it'll include, it'll include yep. at least one forward who's a healthy scratch, maybe two. And well, the guy who makes the opening day roster, if he has two or three bad games, he's well, maybe one bad game well, in that role. He's out of the lineup. Right now, the second line right winger, Kyler Yamamoto, was in the minors till Christmas two years ago. And yeah. now he's a second line. And McLeod was in the minors last year till the last, what, 12 games of the year? Or something. So, so. It, whether they make the starting roster or not is not, say, who's going to be there come play. Or, or, or ends, or saying it ends, Benson's yeah. chances of nope. ever playing for the Oilers, for nope. sure. But, you know, as, as Bob has discussed, if Benson gets sent down, he could get claimed. Because a team could say, well, that's a free player. I mean, yep. it's his salary, obviously, but there's, there's a former second-round pick that... So we could. can just take and, and see what happens with them. If they feel he's capable of playing it. Yeah. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. That was uh, Darcy checking in as the Kraken wrap their tentacles around the Oilers and win two one in overtime. That wasn't really a tentacle wrapping performance. I'm still working on my squid stuff. Oh, 
Netflix, Squid Game. Watch it. It's good. You're the second person to tell me. Who was talking about Squid Game? That was probably me yesterday. Uh, there was somebody else I thought told me about it. Well, actually, well, I don't good. see very many people, so maybe it was. Oh, no. Uh, Paul Gazzola at the rink. Well, there you go. Paul and I both. It is good. Okay, so what's the premise? It's like a bunch of squid that, that play no, board games? No, oh, okay. it is very good. It's uh, subtitled. So you've got to be able to read subtitle unless you, I believe it's South Korean, unless you understand Korean, then you won't need the subtitles. I did. And it's, so it's a fictional show? Uh, yes. So it's not a documentary? No, it's not. It is a show that's on Netflix. Okay. It's, it's fun to watch. It's graphic. And is it creepy? Uh, yes, you could say that. You could yeah. So it's horror-themed? No, not horror. Is it science fiction? No. Are there squid in it? Well, what is it then? It's ga- Squid Game is a, a child's game, so there's a lot of children's games in it. But bad things happen. Yes. So it's a horror. Well, I wouldn't call it It's suspense. Horror. Suspense, yes. Suspense and... It's dark. Very. Okay. Very dark. Don't get too attached to some of the characters. <laughs> that's, that's great. Anyways, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers lose two one in overtime to Seattle. Seattle ties it in the final minute and then wins it on a power play in OT. We have Tony standing by. Hello, Tony. Thank you for calling. How's it going, boys? Well, we're fine, Tony. The question is, how are you? You're one of our regulars uh, over many, many seasons. I, did, I didn't get the chance to watch. Uh, my nephew played hockey tonight. Uh, watched him. He did hear the radio over the. Like I was listening over the radio. My own, my one question for tonight is: Perlini, in my opinion, has deserve does deserve a, a spot on the roster. With Benson probably going down to Bakersfield again, do you think he's going to be used for a trade chip? Maybe down in the future, like goaltending. No, anything no, like that? I, I don't think there's a big trade market for guy. If, if he were to go to the minors, what would you be trading him for? Well, he could be a piece in a deal. Well, but I mean, again, it's the add-in. It's I mean, it's not that much if you're trading a guy from your minor league team. You're not getting anything. But again, I still think the risk is if you you send him down, a team might be like, "Eh, yeah. But if you're sending him down, are you really that worried about him going elsewhere? I mean, if he's not good enough to make your team. So, I, I, that's just my opinion. I mean, then they may carry him as if they might carry 14 forwards. Right. So, he could be up here. But based on the way they've played right now in the opening day night roster, the guys that are going to play in that game, I have Perlini in the game and I don't have Benson. As for what they as do the with top 12, as not necessarily top 12. a 13 or 14. No, well, they, that's in the game, so they wouldn't be out there. Right. Because you'd be fined for playing too many players. <laughs> well, unless you played no defenseman, which you would have liked. Oh, well, yeah. No, I wouldn't like that. I want more defensemen, more ice time for the forwards. Dress 12 defensemen. Six forwards, and you get all, all the ice time in the world. But I don't – right now, Benson is 13th forward at best in the way the team is set up right now. And that doesn't even include a, a Sevier or a Turris, who both are still I, I, fighting for spots yeah. too. Turris actually hasn't played bad in the preseason. I just don't know contract-wise what is better. Well, Perlini's separated because he scored. Four times. Four times. Yes. Yeah. All right. Oilers lose 2 1 in overtime. We got Rocket and Dave up next. We got to call a quick timeout. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. 
Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chase. we forget, Not a lot of tonight, and we've got a fight. It's going to be Brad Malone landing an early shot on Carson Florensky, who goes down. Malone, a veteran, experienced player of 10-plus years at the professional level, and Florensky had his jersey pulled up and over. All right, there's the fight from the first period as uh, the Oilers fall in overtime 2-1 to the Seattle Kraken. We'll check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for part service rentals or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Oil Kings, hat trick Josh Williams. They beat the Red Deer Rebels 4-1 in their season opener. Baseball, Blue Jays win 6-4 over Baltimore. Boston wins 4-2 over Washington. The Yankees lose 4-3 to Tampa Bay. The Angels beat the Mariners 2-1. So the Blue Jays remain a game behind Boston for the second wild final uh, wild card spot. They do. I you know honestly just looking at the schedule, the Blue Jays might have a better chance of catching the Yankees and they're two games well, they behind tie them. them. Well, tie well that's what I mean catching them. They they're two games behind the Yankees, but the Yankees play a very good Tampa team and the Red Sox play a very bad Washington national team. Golden Bears football team at uh, Foot Field tonight lost 31-17 to Manitoba, so the Bears fall to 1-1. and They're playing a six-game regular season. CFL tonight, Winnipeg all over BC. 39 is the final. And looking around the NHL, Flames beat the Canucks 4-1. Golden Knights over the Kings 4-0. Penguins beat the Sabres 2-1. Devils ring up the Rangers 7-1. Panthers over the Stars 6-3. Lightning outscore the Hurricanes 8-5. Ottawa wins at home 7-2 against the Habs. And St. Louis gets a 6-3 win in Chicago. 780-496-0063. We have Rocket on the line. Go ahead, Rocket. Hey, boys. How you doing tonight? Good. Um, so, Perlini and uh, Benson, is there any advantage at all for the Oilers, like from a business perspective, to send Perlini down and keep Benson? Or can they, you know, in terms of contract, like what's Perlini, does Perlini even have a contract? Or oh, yes, yes. On? He has He has a one-year two-way deal. So he gets a different amount of money in the minors. I'm just going to double check what that is. He's, I think uh, he's seven fifty over two fifty. Is that what it is? And then I think Benson's seven fifty over one fifty or something along. Well, yeah, that the line. guy on the tryout deal is Sevier. Like I agree, I agree with Rob like a thousand percent, like I always do huh. about uh, you know who's better, Perlini versus Benson. But if you want to keep Benson and not lose him. Um, could but, the Oilers, like, send Perlini down, keep Benson? Just well, they to... absolutely could. I mean, they could lose per- Perlini at that point as well. Oh, they could, they, oh, they could actually lose him then yeah. if they did that. Yeah, so whoever, yeah. I think, well, okay. I think pretty sure if either one of them gets sent down, they can be picked up on waivers. Um, to me, it's you keep whichever one's better. Now, again, uh, th- they could keep Benson, but there's also, they got to decide on Sevier, they got to decide on Turris. Um but you said you could, they could keep them both? They keep them both, yeah. The Oilers can keep 14 forwards if they want up here. And then so, but they would still lose, if, even if they keep them, if they sent one down? Well, like, if they keep them, they wouldn't be sending them down. So the Oilers... No, have, we say oh, keep, they, we mean oh, keep so in the Yeah, NHL. they could keep 14 guys on their roster, 14 forwards on their <laughs> roster. They'd be in the press box. They'd be in the press box, and press box, and they could give them a few games at the regular season 
games, and it'll, you'll get a better idea of how they will play when they play against real competition. Because, again, they haven't played a real full NHL team yet. And that's a possibility, too. They say, all right, right now we like what Perlini's done, but can he do it consistently when the games get a little bit tougher? So what do you think the Oilers will what do you think the Oilers management will do with like having, you know, obviously a very good problem with uh, you know, your bottom bottom six. What do you think they'll do? Will they do you think they'll keep them or do you Well, right now the the fourth line probably is well, actually I don't even know. I mean Shore will be your center. Uh Say if you have Perlini on the left side, your right side was supposed to be Josh Archibald. So I think that's another uh, question right now. I don't know if the Oilers really know their decision until they find out what happens with Josh Archibald. Is he healthy enough, first of all, to play? And then second, if he's vaccinated or not. Now, again, I have no idea what the Oilers' thinking is on this, but I believe that any player on a Canadian team that's unvaccinated, it would be very hard for the team to keep that player just for the number of games he would have to miss, as well as he, when he comes back from the U.S. and he has to quarantine for two weeks, that's two weeks where he's not with his team, not practicing, not skating, uh, and then it would be hard for him to be jumped back into the lineup. So yeah. I've, I th- I've, heard, I've heard real-life stories of uh, people that aren't vaccinated that, lose, that have already lost their jobs. Well, well, sure. I mean, yeah, some sure, companies absolutely. have said, the air, what the airlines already have said. So, yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's not the case in the NHL. There's no rule. But I just think it would be very hard to juggle a player that is going to miss 30-some-plus games and the games that he's able to play, he may have just sat out for two full weeks away from his teammates. I just think it's hard to to justify that for a guy that's going to be on your fourth line. So that's why I think if he's unvaccinated, I don't think he'll be on the Oilers. Yeah, Perlini, uh, 750 in the NHL, 250 in the minors. Benson, 750 and 100,000 in the minors. So, you know, if a, if a team's going to claim a player, but they think, oh, maybe he's more likely to be in the minors, could that factor? I don't, I don't think yeah, it. Yeah, we'll see. No. 780-496-0063. We have Dave giving us a call as the Oilers lose 2-1 in overtime to the Seattle Kraken in Everett. Hey, Dave, go ahead. Hey, guys, just a couple points. One was Skinner. Congratulations to him. I thought he played very, very well. My other question is uh, about Everlay. I'm a huge Islander fan, always have been. Is there a reason, guys, in your opinion, why he was uh, not protected? Well, they got a good team. Uh, <laughs> that's, True. That's the. That's the. Uh, that's the. That would be my answer. I, I think just. I, I if you honest- look at how they played and the players that Lamarillo likes. Um, I never really played well there. I mean, I, I you'd have to look. I'd have to look at their lineup to see who they protected instead of Jordan. Um, I'm just checking now. I mean, they protect. They protected. Lee, Nelson, Peugeot, Barzell, Beauvillier, Clutterbuck, and Martin for forwards. So I guess the the one that you would think would be Martin, but you might be a little surprised that they protected Martin instead of Jordan Everly. And I absolutely was. I just found he was such a good fit with the Islanders, and you're right, it's a very, very up-and-coming team. And, then, you know, the Oilers, I think, will have the same problem. It's nice to hear that, you know, they're filling holes and... Uh, a guy like Berlini, I, I, the only thing I'll say about him is Oilers need depth and scoring on their bottom lines, and I think that's an easy pick. Just my opinion, guys. Great show. 
Yeah, no, that's good stuff. And Eberle, now here's another thing, and and we're, who knows how uh, they think with the Islanders. So so Eberle has three years left on his contract with a cap hit of $5.5 million. He's 31. So I'm just, I'm not trying to slag Jordan Eberle, but maybe thinking, okay, why would the Islanders think he's expendable? Or brisk losing. Maybe they're thinking, okay, he's 31, then he's 32, then he's 33. Is, you know, is he, is this, is that when his scoring is going to drop yep. off? And in terms of actual money, because as we know, the cap hit is the average of the salary over the years. He was scheduled to actually to make $7 million in actual money this season, too. So you can tell your owner, okay, we, we like this guy, but, you know, he was actually going to make, now, the next two years, it was a little lower than five and a half. So who knows? But I mean, yeah, contracts certainly come into play. And then you also have to think about what the Islanders have in their minor system. Who can we bring up? Do we have a guy that's going to be able to fill a Jordan Everly spot? Or do we have a guy that can fill a Matt Martin spot? So those all go into play. I, I'm sure they would have loved for the Seattle Kraken to take someone other than Jordan, whoever was available for them. Uh, I, I know that, Reed, when you talked to Jordan the other day, and I've seen articles written, Ebbs was very surprised, A, that he wasn't protected, and then when he went to Seattle. But uh, I, I think he'll do well there. He's going to get a ton of ice time and try to become a leader there for that team. He is one of the, if not the most prolific offensive player they have he and Schwartz would be the top two guys so he's going to be counted on to score goals for Seattle team that will be very good defensively but will try to win games 2-1 and and again great pass in overtime by Everly if he does not one touch that pass it's highly unlikely McCann scores because then Skinner had to go all the way across if Everly stops that it's like okay now I'm in the middle now I just got to go over one other little step here and, I, and I'm there that was a great play actually yeah, Everly played well I've seen him play twice now in the preseason he's been very good in both games uh, he, I, I, I've always was a fan of Jordan Everly when he was here he's uh, and then the critics who didn't like his playoff prowess when he was with the Oilers the one year uh, Jordan was very good in the playoffs when he was with the Islanders the last couple of years. Okay, we got to take a quick timeout. Dean, you're up next on the open line. Oilers fall 2-1 in overtime to Seattle. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Seattle 2, Oilers 1 in overtime. Tough finish for the Oilers. They had a 1-0 lead. Seattle tied it with the goalie pulled with just under a minute left. And then McCann won it on a power play in overtime. Perlini for the Oilers, Schwartz and McCann for Seattle. Just uh, mentioned Winnipeg beat BC 39 in the CFL. Zach Kalaros 28 for 33 for 417 yards and two touchdowns. Receiver Kenny Lawler 12 receptions for 205 yards and a touchdown. You know what? They should have covered that guy. Not bad. They should have covered him because he was open all night long. We have Dean on the line. 7804960063. Hey Dean, go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. A little shout-out from Northwestern Ontario and uh, oh, nice. a three-part question. Oh, wow. So, one, uh, Perlini, not sure if he plays the same side as Yamamoto, but do you see him uh, bumping uh, up to the second line and um, taking over a position like from Yamamoto or such? And two, are you guys vaccinated? And three, what do you think about the Archibald slash Keith situation? 
Um, what was the last one? Our what do you think about the Archibald Keith? Oh, oh Archibald, sorry. Uh, first one, Perlini is a left winger, but most offensive players are capable of playing on either side. I don't think Perlini is going to knock out Yamamoto anytime soon. I think that if Yamamoto, Yamamoto struggles at the beginning of the season, I think Cassian would get his a first look there. But yeah, if Perlini makes the team and there's any struggles in the top six or top nine, I think Perlini has the offensive background to warrant a look here or there. Uh, your second question, yes, I am double vaccinated and was proud to get it done, as is my entire family. And third, uh, disagreed with some of the things that Duncan Keith said, respected the fact that he came out and was open and honest. And Josh Archibald, I've said right from the beginning that any player that's in Canada on a Canadian team that isn't vaccinated, it would be very hard for that team to keep that player for the season just because how hard it would be to juggle that player and your schedule. And I'm not sure a fourth-line player would be a player you want to juggle things for to get 35 if he's going to miss 35 games. that answer your questions? Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough statements. Just wondering your opinions. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. All right, let's go back to Everett, Washington. Pretty good game in goal tonight for this man, Stuart Skinner. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just a lot of fun out there. Like It was fun playing against those guys. Uh, yeah, it was just a good game overall, but I thought we played really well. Played in Lethbridge and uh, Swift Current, and now yeah. you return to this barn as an NHL. Just maybe take us through that. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's nice because I'm pretty used to this barn uh like the lighting and everything and the boards and all that stuff so uh, a little bit of an advantage there but uh, no it was fun to come back here I mean it's been three four years since I've been here and last time I was here we actually won a championship and I was letting the guys know a little bit but uh, no it, it's fun playing here it feels good to have some pretty good vibes before uh, coming into the rank for sure oh yeah absolutely yeah um, get your first NHL start and win last year do you think that helped you in terms of your training and what to expect and maybe even the overall confidence on uh, I think it was huge I mean uh, even I got to play it so early in the in the year last year that it kind of helped me realize what I need to you know kind of grow in my game and also what I got to work on just physically um, emotionally focus wise and all that so um, speed wise so it's uh, you know I'm you're always trying to grow and always trying to get better in the game and uh, yeah that's all I'm doing. You're turning 23 next month uh, over the last year where would you say you probably progressed the most whether it be mentally physically in the crease? I think just growing up honestly uh, you kind of throughout the years and throughout the experience like I got to watch Miko and Smitty all year last year, I got to see how they prepared before games. I got to see how they are with the guys, how they are as teammates. And that's just, uh, you know, the best learner is experience. So um, I'm just trying to take in as much as I can and always growing uh, day by day. When you're around the NHL guys as you were at the start of last year, is that sometimes overlooked in terms of how valuable it could be for a young guy just to be around? Very valuable. I mean, even if you don't play, like I didn't play for the first month and a month and a half, and just being around the guys, being able to practice with them, seeing how they are in the dressing room around the guys, and how they are off the ice and what they do, how they take care of their bodies. I mean, it's it's massive as a young guy to you know see amazing players do it every single day. 
You've played in this market as a WHLer. To see an NHL franchise come to Seattle right next door, how, how do you think the fan base will be able to? Uh, oh, is it? It was amazing. Yeah, they're uh, they're going to be great. It's going to be a great building to play in, and I'm excited. I mean, this is 45 minutes away from Seattle, uh, and the fans were extremely loud. So it was a fun night. That is Stuart Skinner. He had a good game. He made 36 saves. Unfortunately, takes the overtime loss as Seattle wins it 2-1 over the Edmonton Oilers. Brendan Perlini, yes, scores again. He got the Oilers' uh, only goal this evening. Okay, well, we are right back at it tomorrow with another broadcast here on 6.30. Chad, the face-off show will start at 3.30 in the afternoon. The game is at 5 as the Oilers meet the Winnipeg Jets. Big thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, here at the hockey studio at 6.30. Chet, thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Get more on this game on globalnews.ca or 630ched.com. We have been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. You have been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.